Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. As always is the telephone number. And guys, I tell you this all the time and I mean it. For all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area, follow me on X slash Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen. So we've got a special show for you guys tonight. Um, I promoted a little bit last night, put it out on X slash Twitter earlier today. But these three in studio with me have been the topic of some media stories over the last week or so, the Charlotte Observer, and then most recently some website that very few people actually read. And so Claire Covington, Annette Albright, Michael Johnson are all running for the CMS school board, and they're part of the unity group, and they're running together on this. And I thought that, you know, there's been, a, like I said, a lot of stories about these three, particularly in the Charlotte Observer and elsewhere about these three, calling them Trojan horses, wolves in sheep's clothing, whatever you want to say. And so what I thought I would do is, I'm going to go, and by the way, it should be known, as I do with every single guest, no matter who it is, nobody knows in this room what questions I'm going to ask. Like, and, and like even when it's the sheriff that comes in here, nobody ever knows what I'm going to ask. So just people need to know that. So what I'm going to start off with first is say, just so people understand the voices, your name, your political affiliation, and why you're running and try to keep the why you're running into about say 15 to 30 seconds hi thanks so much for having me brett really appreciate it this is claire covington i am running for an at-large seat on the board of education my political affiliation is unaffiliated i'm running because i am the mom of two young girls in cms and i've been out in the county and i've spoken with a lot of parents and a lot of teachers and it seems like everyone is concerned. We're concerned about safety, we're concerned about our students, and we're concerned about our success and what their lives are gonna look like in the future. The message that I keep hearing from the residents of Mecklenburg County is that it's time for change and that the status quo needs to go. Um, good evening, everyone. Um, thanks, Brett, for having me on. My name is Annette Albright, and my um, party identification is unaffiliated. Um, I'm running for school board. This is actually my third run. I have ran for at-large once and district two one time before the districts were redistricted. Um, and I'm running for a simple reason. We need change. Um, the student outcomes are horrible. Families are fleeing the district. And it's time for change and new governance. So that's why I'm running for school board. Good evening, everyone, and thanks, Brett, for having me here this, this evening. My name is Reverend Michael Johnson, and I am and have always been a registered Democrat who is running for the Board of Education at large here in Charlotte-Mecklenburg County. 
I'm a father. I have a five-year-old daughter who began her academic and educational career this year. And looking at what has taken place from pre-K to now, it got me gravely concerned as a father, as a parent. And so instead of complaining to the masses, I decided to put my hat in the ring and actually do something about it. And it just so happens in talking to many other parents, they all have the same issue. They're figuring, trying to figure out why their kids aren't doing as well as they should be in a district that screams that they're here to support children. So I'm running to ensure that we have a dynamic system of reform and change to turn this thing around for the betterment of the students and the families in Charlotte Met County. Well, I can tell that none of you are politicians because you actually kept it less than 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's get to the big first one. And um, Annette, I'll start with you. And we'll just go around the table, and this is for all three of you. The $2.5 billion school bond, a lot of people think it's going to pass. Tark Bakari, a Republican, actually came out yesterday in support of the school bond. Um, others are completely against it. Independents, Democrats, Republicans. It's really a grab bag of who's for it and who's against it. What's your stance on the school bond? Um, my stance on the school bond is... You know, we have to support the infrastructure. You know, we have 100 people moving to Charlotte each day. Those people are going to bring children with them or they're going to have children. And we have to provide buildings, safe buildings and places for them to be educated. With the $2.5 billion, I understand that CMS has not always been stewards of good money, of bond monies. Um, We have school buildings that are standing empty and CMS tends to be very secretive in what they're doing and how they're doing doing it until it's time for people to vote on the bonds. And then they're very open about we need this and we need that. So my stance is I, I believe we will always want and need bond packages to be approved. But I also feel that as um, an, a public in, entity that we have to be more open with um, the public and what we're doing with those funds and where we are with projects. And and I think that's what the split is. I think people are just really frustrated that CMS every year after year, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Then when the bonds get approved, it's like, get out of our business. We got this. So will you be voting for it? I will be voting, yes, for the bonds. So, Michael, if the bonds pass, all property taxes are going to be going up an estimated 6%. That's the new study and reports that just came out. Will you be voting yes or no for the school bonds? In good conscience, I cannot. And because of that reason of property taxes going up, it has the determination to impact some of our most vulnerable communities in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area. Many of our older citizens, and to be quite frank, many of regular citizens are living paycheck to paycheck, and some are literally just one paycheck away or one emergency away from financial ruin. So if we look at that and look at a financial increase over the next year or five years, plus a tax evaluation that's supposed to be coming up in the next few years that can increase their, that can potentially increase their taxes even more, we now have an issue that we have people losing their homes. And so as a potential board member, if I'm looking out for the best interest of the students and their families, I cannot support something that can potentially put someone and make them homeless. I think both Annette and Michael have made really good points. And I would say that personally, I've got a lot of questions. 
the figure you just gave us of 6% does not actually line up with what I had been told. I had been told that it would equate to a much smaller amount, um, somewhere in the range of $120 to $140 a month on a median $400,000 home. That's not what your number sounds like to me. I have been all over the county. I have spoken with people up in Davidson, Cornelius, Huntersville. They desperately need new schools up there. I've also spoken with people down in the Mint Hill Matthews area. They also need new schools. I share Michael's concerns about the people in the Crescent and how this will affect their livelihoods, their lives, and their ability to pay their bills. I know you want an answer from me. I've thought long and hard about it. And I always want to invest in our children's education, so I think I will be voting yes on the bond. So, the, Michael, the biggest issues right now facing CMS are what? In terms of whether it's academics, whether it's safety, whether it's transportation, whether it's uh, the schools, whatever the case may be, what do, you, uh, what do you feel like are the biggest challenges right now for CMS? Ooh. I mean, you just gave us a laundry list of things that are going on in the district that that needs immediate and urgent attention. If we're talking about safety, we have fights that are breaking out each and every week. Um, I know it's a major concern for not just parents, but the students themselves that attend these schools are fearful of going to school, not knowing what's going to happen. And you have other candidates who want to remove resource officers from the school it, it, how can you say you're looking out for the best interests of the student and you want to take away something that's going to protect the students? It does not make sense to me. So I want to ensure that we have school safety, but I also want to ensure that we are doing our best as a board to ensure that academic achievement is achieved at the optimal and highest level. The reality is this. We understand that one-third of the schools currently are failing in low-performing schools. It, it starts at the top of the house. It starts with good policy. It starts with good governance. And if we have these things in place, we can turn this ship around. But with the current, you know, historical value of what's been going on, there's been bad policy after bad policy after bad policy. And the people that are affected and impacted the most are the children and families within the community. So we have to address these things, safety and academic success. Claire Covington. I completely echo what Michael just said. Every day I have to put my two young daughters on the bus and send them into school. And every day I hope they come home at the end of the day, safe and sound. So I would say that safety and student success are two of the most important things that we need to focus on here in CMS. I would also say that there's been a real lack of, of innovation within policy development at CMS. We know that the world is changing. We know that the businesses here in the Charlotte community are rapidly changing. And I think that CMS needs new leadership that will advance the policies within CMS to reflect the advancing technologies in the community. Claire? Or excuse me, uh, Annette? Um, same as um, my two slate partners just stated, and that's why we're a slate, because we have a lot of the same issues, concerns, and values, and how and the solutions to fixing those. Um, we haven't had leadership in this district in a long time. And, and it definitely shows that we haven't had leadership, not only in the superintendent, but also in the board members. And until we can get competent leadership in place, um, we're going to continue to see the failed policies. 
you know, the shuttle, I, I get uh, phone calls and DMs every day about these shuttle bus stops. You know, teachers, we're still 500 teachers short. We have a superintendent who will, can definitely say all the right things in front of a camera or in front of a microphone. But then you go back a month later and or move ahead a month and the problem is still the same. She said uh, over two months ago, oh, we have 250 teachers that are coming on board. And yesterday we were still 500 teachers short. So I, I think until we get good, competent leadership in place that can actually meet and exceed goals, that we're going to continue to see the, the same dismal results. All right. So when we come back, I'm going to start asking them individual questions, uh, not in group questions. So the, the group part is over. And so <laughs> when we come back, we'll start getting into the individual side of things. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Wednesday night, is that right? Wednesday night? I always get those days confused. So, 704-570-1110. And guys, follow me on Twitter slash X at Brett underscore Jensen. Okay, so uh, we went to break, and Claire Covington, you wanted to say something real quick? Yes, I just wanted to clarify that the bond, the amount that the property taxes would be increased on the bond would be more in the range of $10 a month is what we're looking at on a median $400,000 home. At least that's the information that we've been given. And on top of the 1.6% increase in property taxes already for all property taxes from the county new re assessment. Agreed additional. And we could just drop an FYI in there that literally had they just split the bond package up and done a $1 billion bond first, there would be no financial or economic impact to the community. So it, it's, it seems like a grab bag, like they're reaching for this $2.5 billion when there was an option on the table that would have provided financial relief for the people in the community, they just chose not to go with it. And that's why I have a problem, because we're putting people at risk. And as a board member, uh, although our job is to ensure that the money is fiscally spent and spent responsibly from a personal standpoint who's invested in the community, I just cannot in good faith support this, knowing that there was a, another way to get this done. Claire Covington, in terms of increasing, say, grade performance, because that is a big, big deal right now, and how do you go about doing that? Because, like, all the numbers came out in terms of, um, especially the black and brown kids are way behind, especially reading at a third grade level, then they get to the eighth grade level, and this, they just never, ever even remotely come close to catching up. And Vilma Leek, you know, just went on a tirade about it about a year and a half ago when CMS wanted all this money. So from a school board standpoint, how do you go about trying to fix some of the great performances? Well, I think the answer is real simple. We need to go back to the basics. We need to be teaching kids how to read, how to do math, social studies. Studies have proven that you can turn around student outcomes in a district if you go back to teaching kids the basics. I have a third grader. I have a lot of friends who have third graders, and I can tell you that these EOGs, these end-of-grade scores that are going to come out in several months, are going to be absolutely abysmal. And I hope that the community understands that the answer is to go back to the basics. Annette, 
60% or excuse me, 66% of the 142,000 students at CMS are black and brown. Yet about 40% of Mecklenburg County is black and brown. So it shows that a lot of the white residents are sending their kids to, you know, different schools, stay at home schools, private schools, whatever. So what's the biggest issue facing the black and brown kids right now? Um, I think the biggest issue facing the black and brown kids at are you say, asking as a CMS, CMS students like so what, are, what are the biggest issues that are facing the CMS black and brown students, which equate to about two thirds of all the students. Right. So last year, I actually sat down with Hugh um, at the time interim Hugh Hotterbach and Crystal Hill when she was his chief of staff. And I asked him specifically, what can the end at the time I was the education chair with the NAACP and I asked him specifically what can we do right here today that's going to help improve the achievement gap for black and brown students? And he told me the students have to come to school. They're not coming to school. If they're not coming to school, we can't educate them. But I can't come out and publicly say as a white man that black and brown children need to come to school. So if you can help us in that area, then we could start in, uh, closing the achievement gap. If you can get them to school, we can teach them. Michael, how do you get them to school? You know, that's a very great question, Brett. As we have this express bus stop policy that's now in place, we have parents who have to walk 35 minutes to a bus stop. And now because it's going into November, December, it's 40, 50 degrees outside. You have some parents that are putting their kids on an Uber to try to get them to school. So now we're tapping into resources that they already don't have. So I think as a collective, we have to ensure that there's great policies that's in place that's going to impact the students in a very positive direction. And so we have to get them to school really by looking at the fundamentals of how transportation works, understanding that if we put the resources back in the schools where they are, now we, can, now we don't have to bus a kid an hour and a half one way to school. So we have to understand we change how we do education in the school, and then we transform how we're doing transportation. Now we have a better system in place that can get kids to and from school. And watch this. Even more importantly, now have their parents involved in their educational achievement because when they get home from work, they aren't traveling an hour to get to the school after they just work nine hours a day. So we have to have good policies in place that filter down to the transportation department that understands the logistics of getting the kids back and forth from school on a regular basis. But right now, this express bus policy is horrendous and it's doing more damage than good. All right, so when we return, what we're going to do is uh, there's a couple of, like, hot questions that I really want to ask all three of them, and I'm sure they're going to they're gonna look at me and, like, with a smile, but a little nervous <laughs> question, answers on their face. But it's, it's a question that I think truly needs to be asked, actually a couple of them. So we're going to do that when we return. Right now, 61 degrees in Waxhaw, 62 uptown at WVT. We lead local. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am Brett Jensen sitting alongside Claire Covington, Annette Albright, and Michael Johnson. They are the Unity Slate running running for CMS School Board at large. Early voting starts tomorrow, but really on Friday throughout Mecklenburg County, or at least the Charlotte area, I should say. And you'll have up until November 7th 
to vote, which is election day, the general election, and the odd number of years are the local races, and then the even number of years can also include state races, federal races, and stuff like that. So you've got a lot of your local races, stuff going on up in Waxhaw and Indian Trail and Huntersville, all the stuff that we've been reporting on um, in all those local races, but we also CMS. And I said this the other night as I moderated the Waxhaw mayoral and town commissioner debate on Friday night. And I said this then to the crowd that the five main races that people are going to be paying attention to in our area, our media coverage area, is District 6 City Council. Tarpacari won by 350 votes last time against Stephanie Hand. Is he going to be able to hold on to it this time? All the stuff going on in Waxhaw, all the stuff going on in Huntersville with the mayor, as well as the town commissioners. What's going on in Indian Trail? There's a lot of things going on over there right now. Like, like we reported last night about sexual harassment allegations, like all kinds of stuff inside the city government itself. And then CMS school board at large. Those are the five races that people are going to be paying most attention to from a Charlotte media standpoint. So that's why I thought it would be a good idea to have everyone in here from this particular group. And again, it's, it's, they're, they're called the, the unity slate. So let me, start with, uh, let me start with Claire on this one, Claire Covington. The, this is actually a rather easy question, but it, but it needs to be addressed. The things that the Shot Observer wrote about you and your two uh, partners sitting next to you, as well as in some irrelevant website. In terms of all of that, where they're basically calling you Trojan horses, really Republicans, and look who their treasurers are and everything else. Uh, I spoke with me people with the Mech GOP today, and there's one particular person that I trust implicitly, and they said it's against policy to do anything like that, like in terms of prop up someone that's not truly a Republican to make it seem like there's something else. So when you saw the story about you guys in the Shot Observer and elsewhere, what were your thoughts and what do you have to say about it? I thought it was completely ridiculous because as an unaffiliated registered voter, I can't, I can't pull a Cotham. Pulling a Cotham implies that I would switch my party affiliation after election from Democrat to Republican, but I've already publicly come out and stated, and people can check the, the voter registrations as well, that I am unaffiliated. So it would be a, a virtual impossibility for me to do that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, but did it did how much did it, for lack of a better term, how much did it piss you off? <laughs> um, to be fair, there's a lot that's come out that's pissed me off. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I just think it's embarrassing that, that that information made it out simply because it's so absurd. We chose a treasurer that had extensive experience representing candidates on both the left and the right. I'm an attorney. I do not wish to go to jail. I do not wish to lose my law license. If I were to violate campaign finance rules, that is exactly what would happen. 
and I know nothing about campaign finance rules. So we chose someone who had worked for the Board of Elections, who had worked on both sides of the aisle, and who knew what he was doing. Annette Albright, you're also basically accused um, by a particular group out there that's quote-unquote nonpartisan. And let me take the tongue out of my cheek real quick. Uh, But that's how they describe themselves. So let me ask you this. Point blank, hand to God, what's your connection with Moms for Liberty? I do not have a connection with Moms for Liberty, except for the fact that I met Brooke Weiss at a um, some type of meeting maybe almost two years ago where Senator Joyce Waddell, there, it was some type of con- congressional meeting, and I met jo- uh, Brooke there. And we had a conversation, and at the end of the conversation, she told me, hey, I'm the woman from Mothers from Liberty. And I'm like, oh, okay. That that was it. That That's my only connection. Um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that um, people are trying to connect me with the agenda of Mothers for Liberty simply because I know someone who is a part of the group. Um, it's almost comical. if people, people who've been in Charlotte for a while know that I have been a strong school advocate since 2016. And most of the time, I Uh, did not align myself with any group except when I joined the NAACP, I was actually working alone. And I typically work best alone. So those allegations are absolutely ridiculous. And I I take them with a grain of salt. Michael, you're a registered Democrat. When's the last time someone called you a Republican? (laughs) (laughs) In the year of our Lord, 2023. I mean, why do they call you Republican? You know, that's a very good question to ask because I really don't know. Um, The only thing that there have been alleging is, as my colleagues have said, is the choice of a treasurer. And so what I'm trying to ascertain and understand is this. Many of us go to the doctor probably each and every week, sometimes many times throughout the course of the year. I wonder how many people ask their doctor, what's their political affiliation? I wonder how many people ask their dentist, what's their political affiliation? And so you have me as a first-time candidate who says, hey, listen, I have a five-year-old that I want to come home to each and every night who knows nothing about campaign finance. And so this gentleman and his company came recommended. I don't see what is the issue with working with a nonpartisan accountant in a nonpartisan race to deal with a nonpartisan issue of education. We have to get politics out of the classroom and get back to the basics and the business of teaching our kids. So to answer your question, this was the first and only time I've ever been accused of being a Republican, and it's really asinine. All right, Annette, here we go. All right. Crystal Hill was selected as superintendent, much like Ernest Winston, Mm -hmm. her predecessor of having zero experience, but having been the chief of staff and then getting the job of the 17th largest school district in the country with no experience whatsoever of running a school district. There were three other candidates um, who had extensively more um, experience doing so, coming from two large cities and one smaller area. Did the school board do the right thing in hiring Crystal Hill? 
I'm not exactly sure if they did the right thing. I did not like the process. And I hold even the five new members accountable that told us, you will see differently from us. We will not hide behind closed doors. We will be transparent. And they actually were not. Um, The information that I had is that Crystal Hill was actually sent here to train to become the next superintendent after Hadabah left and that um, Hadabah decided to leave early. So I think uh, we could have not wasted the time and money of the taxpayers and went right to the chase and said, hey, this, this, this person is going to be our new superintendent. The whole dog and pony show, um, I did not like. Can I say that she was the best candidate? I have no idea. Um, I've, I've liked some of the stuff that I've heard her say, but I haven't seen anything differently. And that's the thing that concerns me. So at this point, I can't say if, if it was a good or bad hire. But, you know, she definitely knows how to talk to talk. I will say that. Claire, Hugh Hadaball, she just brought up Hugh Hadaball, the interim superintendent. He was hired in April. And he turned in his resignation in September because he'd had enough after just four months of CMS. And they had to talk him into staying through December. What does that say about CMS when a man who had worked at CMS previously for a very long time comes back and says after four months, I can't do this anymore. I'm out of here. I can't stand it. What does that say about CMS? It says that the Board of Education has failed miserably to empower our superintendent and that whenever things get tough, they throw the superintendent under the bus. I think we've seen it over and over. I think it's time that the board steps up, holds the superintendent accountable, but also defines very clearly what policies that superintendent is expected to enforce and therefore empowers the superintendent who then empowers their own chain of command. Michael Johnson, how do you get across to the superintendent to ensure that your policies or what you would like to see happen actually happens? How do you hold the superintendent actually accountable? Well, I think it comes down to... uh, Because, real quick, sorry to interrupt. Sure. They have have a $300,000 a year contract. So how do you ensure that what you want to happen actually happens when you're getting $25,000 a year as a school board member? Let, let, me, let me put it to you in, the, in these terms, Brett. Um, if we look at how the district is set up, it's set up in, in terms of an enterprise model where you have the local board of education who's, if you were looking in business, would serve as the board of directors. That would make the superintendent of the schools the chief executive officer of the schools. So if we're looking at it through the lens of a business owner, which I am, and so here is my my vantage point through this, is is directly this. There has to be key performance indicators in which the superintendent must meet, in which the board must be governing and watching on a cadential basis. So there ought to be a review period every so often that says, hey, listen, this is what we wanted to see. This is the deadline in which we've given you to do it. Now, let's talk about either A, have you met these goals or have you not met these goals? If you've met these goals, great. We're moving forward in a very positive direction. If you fail to meet these goals, you need to have a very good reason and rationale as to why you aren't moving and turning this ship around. But again, it all comes back to governance. 
it comes back to leadership and it comes back to direction. If you have people on the board that's just saying, hey, we're going to give so-and-so a chance without really holding people accountable and holding their feet to the fire of what they've been hired to do, then what are we going to do here? And Brett, may I follow up with you? Um, I also met with uh, Hadaba and Crystal Hill as I, Superintendent Hill now, as I explained earlier. And some of the things that I suggested to Hadaba, he says, I, I like it. I love it. I like what Annette is saying. Those were his specific words. And um, Corinne met with the NAACP was also in that meeting. I like it. I want to implement some of those things. The next follow-up meeting, Hadaba had turned in his resignation. So I met with Crystal Hill, and it was, I think, the director of discipline at Turning Point. So now we're sitting down to talk about all the things that Hadabai wanted to implement. And Crystal Hill at this time was there and the director from Turning Point. And when we, I explained, you know, he said he liked this. He said he liked that. The director from Turning Point, the director of discipline was like, oh, no, we're not doing that. Um, I'm not telling my staff they're going to have to do this. They weren't hired to do this and we're not going to do that. And Crystal kind of just sat there and was like, she did not reinforce, well, hey, we've had this meeting and this is what, you know, these are the changes um, that we were looking at. And that was very concerning to me because I felt like if she's not able to change that culture, if she allows that culture to remain the same and control her. Now, at the time, I have to say, you know, she was not the superintendent. She wasn't even the interim at that time. But my concern is, can she change that culture or is she going to allow that culture to remain the same? Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. When we come back, we're going to get some one or two more closing questions in here and some final statements from each of the three candidates. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. All right, welcome back to the final moments of Breaking with Brett Jensen. We got you for about four minutes exactly. Four minutes exactly is what we got here. Uh, real quick, um, I do want to go to Annette Albright real quick because we have the three members of the Unity Slate here, Claire Covington, Annette Albright, and Michael Johnson. Annette, I want to just go with you. Like I said, we got about three and a half minutes now. Okay. Because I know this is important to you. School safety. Absolutely. Go. Um, we have to fix it. Uh, we can't continue to look at suspension rates and discipline based on the race of students. We have to look at behaviors. We have to hold students accountable. We have to hold parents accountable. And we have to create schools where educators are safe, where students feel safe, where people feel safe coming on campus to attend a, a Friday night football game. We have to fix it. Michael, what do you, what do you th I mean, in terms of how do you how do you fix school safety? First, you have to address the policies that are in place. You have to make sure that there is equal distribution of policy enforcement across the board. We cannot have disproportionate enforcement 
based off of race, socioeconomic status, where you live in the county and the zip code. We have to, one, enforce the policies that are in place equally across the board if we're going to start saying, hey, listen, we're going to hold you accountable and we're going to do it no matter who you are, who your parents are, or where you come from. So if we do that, now we're ensuring that we have safety at the forefront of our minds. So, the, you know, the fights broke out. I was able to break some of the stories, I guess three of the fights. I think I broke those stories about the, the fights at the football games. So they put in these new policies and the attendance at the football games plummeted. So Claire, Claire Covington, in terms of safety, and we've got about two minutes to go, um, so maybe in 30 seconds or 45 seconds, what are what do you do to help school safety either at extracurricular or in the classrooms? I think we have to bring back respect for teachers. I think that when we bring respect back into the classroom, then schools will become safer. Students will feel a lot safer when they're at school and more inclined to learn and more excited about coming into school. And they will want to protect that environment and protect the teachers as well. All right. So. We've got exactly one minute and 45 seconds, so we're just going to do this real quick. Uh, Michael Johnson, any closing remarks? I'm, I'm going to try to be short-winded. The preacher in me likes to be long-winded, but I'll try <laughs> to keep it short. Listen, we understand that what's been happening in CMS has not been working. And, you know, I say this often as a quote that my grandfather told me that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again but expecting different results. We cannot keep bringing in the people or their protégés that are going to have the same policies created and generated and implemented over and over again and expect things to turn around. We must change and break the cycle of failure. We have been failing our students. We have been failing our families. So I'm asking that you all break the cycle. Vote for Michael. You can find more about us at michaelforcms.com. I'm here with the Unity Slate on tonight. Thank you. Claire Covington. I think we've all figured out that this city wants change, this county wants change. Parents are tired of being concerned constantly about the safety of their children, about whether their kids are getting a quality education. I think it's time for our community to rally around CMS, to demand change, and to elect three new board members to the Board of Education who understand the policies, understand the direction that the school district needs to go in, and who are willing to make tough decisions in order to enact change. And at Albright, you got the final 30. And um, I think you guys know me. I've been out here trying to improve um, the school system since 2016. I'm very vocal um, out in the community. I think we know what we want this time. Last time the city voted we voted for change, but we only changed the bodies. But this time we have to change the mindset and we have to change the way we're governing the school system. So this time, if you vote CMS Unity, Annette, Claire and Michael, 